Usually I try to craft a story that previews the first thing you're going to hear on the podcast. And I'm going to change that for today because I really love how the show ended. Uh, This time I got to speak with, listen to this, the chief education officer at National Geographic, Vicki Phillips. And towards the end of the show, we were riffing on the idea of what it means to be a, a curious, empathetic, and empowered educator. And I just love those words so much, which is why I wanted to preview that for you here in the intro of the show. Uh, Nat Geo also has amazing free resources for educators, and we've linked up uh, those resources in the show notes and just welcome you to enjoy this conversation. Hey, it's Daniel, and you're listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after some short messages from our show sponsors. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply now for October 2021 and February 2022 cohorts at slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. All right, we are here again with expert coach, Kareen Veldhone. She's here. She leads a mastermind for... Uh, specifically women in leadership. And it's a lovely, lovely group. Would love for you to check it out and join. Uh, But the point of her coming on the show is to highlight her expertise and to serve you, the ruckus maker listening. So Kareen, you have a tip of the week for us again. What do you have? Ed leaders, I am so pleased to be with you. And I just want to encourage you in the heroic work that you do. And my encouragement to you today is if you haven't had a chance recently, go back to your daily practices for thriving. That's my tip of the week is what are your daily practices for thriving? I have four daily practices that I defined. A morning, a workday startup, a workday shutdown, and an evening. And I'm going to say I'm not completely consistent. Mm -hmm. There are seasons where I do better with them all than others. Sometimes I focus on one. I often have to focus on workday shutdown. But those four 
daily routines help me go on into autopilot and ensure that the most important things that I need to do each day get done. So if you've never done this before, I suggest you start with a morning routine. My morning routine includes drink a glass of water, exercise, coffee and cuddles with my family, review of the daily plan, get ready and journal. That might sound completely overwhelming. And for especially young moms who are ed leaders, do not try to start there. But getting up and drinking a glass of water and getting and moving our bodies every day before we look at our phones or emails is a really great place to start. And the morning ritual, I'm telling you, it's transformative. Mm -hmm. And Miracle Morning was the start of that in my mastermind with Better Leaders, Better Schools. (laughs) So I want you to know these are the kinds of transformative changes we apply in our work with the mastermind. Brilliant. And I'll just add too, thanks for being authentic. You know, we are not perfect and we don't do things like 100% all the time. I have a very strong um, end of the day shutdown routine, you know, that includes a journal uh, practice that I have. And I don't hit it every day. I want to, but there's some days, you know, that I just miss or whatever. And that that's okay. But over most of it, you know, I am doing that. And I get so much fruit from those times. And literally when I do it, it's kind of funny that I ever miss it. It honestly takes five minutes or less. That's how I got it drilled down. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Kareen. And since we do serve ruckus makers with a bias for action, what is the challenge today? The challenge for the ruckus makers is what is your morning practice for thriving? Define one or two things that you can do every day or aim to do every day that will help you thrive and put energy into those pieces. Well, hello, Ruckus Maker. Today we are joined by the Chief Education Officer at the National Geographic Society. That's Vicki Phillips, who oversees the society's education strategy and programs focused on inspiring the next generation of planetary stewards. Phillips has been in education for more than 30 years and has served as a teacher, state-level policymaker, nonprofit leader, superintendent of schools, chief state school officer, and K-12 education director. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, the pleasure is mine. And, you know, when we talked in our our pre-chat, I think we were discussing like teacher appreciation work and uh, having a lot of conversations, you know, with educators, the tension of strength and vulnerability. And uh, you've really been learning a lot in the last year, just things that, that have educators showing up differently in the future. We'd love to hear some of those insights that you've found memorable. Well, I think, you know, it stems in some ways that I and actually a lot of my team at NetGeo, but I've always been a teacher champion. So one of the things I make a practice of is really listening to what teachers say they need and how they're experiencing things. So we know that teachers have had, you know, a lot to deal with over the last 18 months. And we've tried to make sure that we're as responsive as possible. And that includes everything from working with them to stand up resources quickly that could be used in remote and hybrid environments 
to giving them small grants to let them create those resources themselves, to building out our educator community and trying to both um, inspire them, um, support them, and make sure that they know that we see them. Right. Yeah. So I, I love that that emphasis on feeling seen and heard. I'm sure that's something that you've used and flexed in all the different roles you've held throughout education in your wonderful career. Well, it's been incredibly important to me. I, um, you know, I never want to forget that one. I was a teacher myself for a lot of years that I understand the power of what teaching can bring, the way that we need to uh, respond to this current generation and help them become, you know, leaders and particularly at Nat Geo when we care so much about helping both expose young people to the wonder of our planet, but also protected uh, given all of the issues that it's facing. I think teachers play such an incredible role in uh, making sure that young people are equipped with an explorer's mindset and that they're curious mm-hmm. and empathetic and empowered and solutions driven. And so we very much appreciate who teachers are and what they do every single day. Right. I, I have a tool called the Mastermind Mindset Scorecard. So that's something, you know, with uh, ruckus making and, and the the school leader that I serve, right? That's a framework that I have. But you, I heard explorer's mindset. That seems very on brand for you. But can you unpack a little what that means to you? Well, first I would say that I love that you think of people as ruckus makers. And I guess that Nat Geo, <laughs> in many ways, we would say that we're intrepid explorers, that our explorers are people who go to the edge of possibility and then take that next step. And that we believe deeply that young people and the educators who reach them are key to addressing those, those pressing problems of our planet that we talked about a moment ago. And we think that we can inspire everyone to be an explorer And by that, we mean, as I was saying, to be curious, to be empathetic, to communicate, to collaborate, to understand geographic perspectives and tools, to be able to take informed action wherever you are. And those informed actions can be big and small. They can be in your home, in your school, in your community, or they can be as part of a collective group of uh, educators and young people testing out ideas and seeking um, solutions. Mm. I love that that phrase too, geographic uh, perspectives and tools. And, you know, the, the context for this question is I've had the opportunity to live in many different areas in the United States. I've also lived in Belgium, Netherlands, Scotland, uh, and visited South Africa for an extended stay multiple times. So that, that worldview and world perspective is really important to me. I just, I would, I would love to hear you riff on that idea a little bit. Obviously, it's something important to you and the work you do at National Geographic. Well, we definitely, within our education resources and what educators may not know, is that we have a large free library of resources for educators that includes everything from lesson plans and curriculum units to videos and photography and infographics, lots of things to inspire and engage um, their students in learning. But a common theme for us is definitely geography. It's very much in our middle name and it's not geography in the ways that people think about it in the past and maybe the way I learned it in school, which was 
you know, places on a map or the states and capitals. Um, rather, it, the way we think about it is this door for learners to understand the interconnected world around them. Like we believe that if ever there was a discipline suited to problem solving, it's 21st century kinds of notions around geography where you're studying how things you know, came to be the way they are. You're taking those insights and thinking about what that means for what's happening to the earth and the inhabitants of it, whether those activities are helpful or harmful, how you can be a part in changing that. And it's, you know, it's that ability to think like a geographer that might be one of the most important skills that we can give young people right now, along with having an explorer mindset and being curious about the world and your place in it. Right, right. Living across the world has taught me, you know, there's not just one approach or one right way to solving different issues or, or handling, you know, just how you live life, right? Uh, and, and I think you mentioned how geography, you think about it in a way of it opening doors uh, to, to something new. So I'm curious of all the places where you've traveled or lived, what, what's been a favorite and what was the door that was open for you? Well, that's a really fantastic question. Um, considering how I grew up, I grew up uh, in a very small place called Falls of Rough Kentucky, you know, a high poverty corner of the county that I grew up in. And that, you know, experience was incredibly grounded in community but not very grounded in what the larger world looked like. And in fact, I really didn't even have the expectations that I was going to go to college. So quite honestly, maybe the most important road I ever traveled was from my home 90 miles down the road to the university I ended up going to because a peer pushed me and wouldn't accept the inequities between us. So she probably opened the most important door for me. And that door, you know, really ended up in me going to college and traveling that 90 miles and learning that there was a whole new world and opportunity for me out there. And then once I graduated college, I had the good fortune to, you know, set my feet on a career path that took me to, into lots of different roles and lots of different places and every place I've traveled around the world, I've found something to wonder about, both in terms of, mm. you know, the, the culture, the beauty, the diversity, also something to be curious and wonder about in that respect, and to just um, deepen my knowledge and understanding. And I think we have to figure out how to give young people um, those kinds of opportunities I've gotten to do a lot of that by physically traveling, but given today's world, we can actually help people virtually travel from their, you know, from their uh, backyard and experience <laughs> the sort of the wonders and the diversity and the geographical differences across the planet. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, my, my work, I'm very privileged to serve school leaders and literally from every continent first, except Antarctica. So I'll figure, I'll figure that one out at some point, but you know, that that's really interesting. And you've, you've held many different roles within the space of education. And I'd like to pull on that thread of growing up there in rural Kentucky and not necessarily seeing yourself 
um, at college, but then, you know, that, that changed for you. So what, what would you say to the ruckus maker listening? Cause they're typically principals and APs. And especially for those ones that serve in a, a rural community, like you grew up in, how might they inspire the young Vickies that are in their school to, uh, at least explore or have the explorer's mindset that college might be the next best step for them? Yeah, I think part of it is exposing you know, young people and a whole variety of ages to, you know, careers they might not have imagined with people who look like them in those careers um, to, you know, getting them out and doing projects and other things that allow them to both be inspired, but also develop that set of skills that we talked about earlier that you need to have an explorer's mindset. And I think there are you know, organizations like National Geographic that are increasingly putting education resources in the hands of educators wherever they are in the globe, rural America or rural Africa, that actually help young people do that. And that actually work from not just an explorer's mindset, but actually demonstrate the real life work of explorers and allow kids to experience firsthand what that can, what it can be like to have those attitudes and skills and um, competencies. Brilliant. And I know you mentioned earlier in our conversation that uh, Nat Geo has tons of just tremendous resources to offer educators I think you said free as well, which the Ruckus Maker Nation for sure is going to appreciate. Uh, is there anything else around the the resources that you'd like to bring into the conversation? Maybe it's a, a favorite resource or a newly developed one, uh, but something to pique their interest and where can they go to get them? Well, you can go to net, um, netgeoed.org and, our, our, and you can go to a variety of places in our education tools, but we certainly have a very large and accessible resource library. You'll also find that we do events like this week. Um, in fact, tomorrow we're doing a virtual field trip to the solar system and beyond. And, you know, kids get to be exposed to an astrophysicist and some others. So it's very, you know, directly related to what's kind of happening in the world and, to the work of our explorers, because one thing that's very exciting about National Geographic Resources is that we are reflecting the work of explorers around the world. So another example would be that we host on YouTube during the week something called Explorer Classroom, where one of our explorers comes online and spends time with young people. And some of them can get chosen to be able to directly ask questions. But in any case, you get to see what the real day-to-day work of an explorer in the field is. Amazing. Great. Well, I'm enjoying our conversation so much, Vicki. We're going to pause here just for a quick message from our sponsors. When we get back, I want to talk about educator burnout and how to persist during these days. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. Learn from Harvard faculty without leaving your home. Grow your network with fellow school leaders from around the world as you collaborate in case studies of leaders in education and business. Apply now for our October 2021 and February 
2022 cohorts at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn and more we're at Organized Binder. Phillips, the Chief Education Officer at the National Geographic Society. And I mentioned before the break, you know, during our, our pre-chat, I remember discussing just the challenging times we we obviously exist in these days, but we need to persist. So any tips do you have uh, for the ruckus maker listening in terms of how to renew, you know, their energy or remain hopeful and, and that kind of thing? You know, it's interesting when I was a superintendent of schools and I needed a lift, I'd go to the nearest kindergarten class, you know, and <laughs> have a conversation with kindergartners and let them read to me and get a big hug. But um, so I think there's all kinds of ways that you can get that lift. And one is to just um, be inspired by what you're doing for the young people around you and the chance that you're giving them. But I also think that one great source of inspiration for educators or other educators, like nobody knows teaching like teachers. Nobody knows what the principalship is like, like other principals. And I think You have to surround yourself with people from whom you can get ideas and seek advice, but also seek just inspiration and support. I think we don't do enough to show educators that we can both support them uh, in the work that they do, but also in their head space, but also support their heart space. And the fact that, you know, they too need us to be lifting them up, uh, elevating their voices, honoring and respecting what it is they do on an ongoing basis and finding ways to put great resources in their hands that they can readily use at the moment they need them. And it's what we wake up every day at National Geographic Education trying to think about. And it's one of the things I felt strongly about in my whole career that you need to find multiple ways to support educators But I have also just learned that building a networked community of educators, which we're doing at National Geographic, and giving those educators ways to support each other because nobody knows that work better than they do or how to how to uplift each other in a moment. And this large, diverse global community of educators that we're building, we watch that happen every day. A year or so ago, when you know COVID first hit. We watched uh, one of our educators put out a tweet 
that resonated around the world with educators and ended up creating a lot of conversation around what it means to be teacher strong in a really, in a time of really high anxiety. And we saw teachers really support each other and the fact that they were trying to stand up virtual classrooms virtually overnight. So I think those big networked communities can, and and some of the smaller interest groups inside them can be a real source of both support and inspiration. Yeah, community is everything to me. So I, I appreciate you highlighting it. The topic of that tweet or the theme, if I caught it right, did it have to do with perseverance and grit and what it means to be teacher strong? Or, or was there was there something else to it that I might be missing? No, it was about persistence and grit and the fact that, you know, teachers could come together and figure it out together and that they didn't have to feel alone and isolated in what was obviously one of the most challenging and difficult, you know, years of their profession. I mean, in some ways continuing. And I think um, finding support among each other, being able to share immediate ideas that worked, finding things that could be done in environments that you weren't used to teaching in, uh, figuring out that you could learn what you need, uh, working with others quickly. All those things, I think, helped for a lot of teachers make a huge difference. And so, you know, as somebody who grew up, again, in challenging circumstances, but where community was very, very strong and you looked out for your neighbor and you helped each other out, uh, I watch teachers do that on a daily basis and it never fails to make me so proud of them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You've found yourself ahead of the curve often in your educational career. I think that is like the definition of making a ruckus. So I know the listeners will be able to relate. Part of that, though, is figuring out how to bring people along with you, right, as the leader. So what are some stories of uh, success or failure when you are leading ahead of the curve and you need to bring others along with you? Well, I definitely sometimes got that right. And sometimes I got that abysmally (laughs) wrong, I will say, in various roles. But I think one key for me in, or maybe a couple of keys for me in every job I've been in is that one, I never forgot that victory is in the classroom. And by that, I mean that victory is where the learners are. You can't Mm. claim success if you're not impacting learners. And that bond between teachers and learners is so powerful. And I always felt that the job that I had as an administrator, you know, whether I was at a school level, a district level, a state level, even when I was acting as a philanthropist, I always felt that it was my job to power that bond, that it's the job of principals and district superintendents and others to make sure that that bond between teachers and students is as powerful as it can be, because that's where the magic of learning happened. So I tried to keep in mind that that's where the, you know, that's where things should begin and end is with learning. And then um, the second thing is I tried to really listen to teachers and I became better and better at that over time of involving them early on really listening to what they needed, being responsive to that, being clear about it when I couldn't or when I needed them to come along with me and try something out to see. 
And, you know, many, many instances, it was teacher leaders who helped me move something ahead of that curve, whether it was project-based learning or an immersive learning experience or a new way of designing how schools were organized so that it would give better uh, time for learning or whether it was more time for professional development for teachers. I learned to let um, teachers and teacher leaders really both have a voice and take the lead. And that helped me enormously. Absolutely. And I, I think too, you know, there's a lot to learn from our students, obviously. And I'd love to hear what what you think in terms of listening to the youth when it comes to innovating in education and where education needs to go. You know, you're speaking a language that's near and dear to my and Nat Geo's heart today about both educators and young people, because in addition to building a large educator community and supports for educators who are also working with youth and building a large youth community and helping them find solutions. And I would say that some of the same things apply. We're learning to listen to youth and co-design with them. So, you know, they tell us that they're tired of admiring the problem. They want to be part of finding the solutions, that they want their voices elevated and heard, that they have amazing ideas about what should happen to innovate in education. And they want to be at the table in the same way they want us to put uh, teachers at the table and um, that we should be designing things for them that really resonate. So for example, we recently designed uh, a storytelling for impact course, because as you might imagine, one of National Geographic's superpowers is storytelling. So yes. we designed a storytelling for impact course, and we designed one for educators and one for you. So increasingly, we're trying to listen to them and to uh, provide them opportunities, uh, both to be heard, to be part of the solution, and to be part of a collective community that is aiming for impact around issues that they care about. I love the the highlighting and elevating of story. You know, that's the way we, we learn. That's the way we've learned as a civilization, you know, for forever. And so, uh, yeah, lifting that up, like, I'm very excited that you, you have that um, offer available for people. So thank you for sharing that. I'd love to hear if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read? Oh, can I have two days? One, one day, two. one the next? Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think there are two things I would, I would put on a marquee. The first would be just a reminder that the learners of today are the leaders of tomorrow. Mm. That, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's important to listen to teachers. It's also important to listen to young people because they're powerful forces for meaningful change. In fact, we've been funding young explorers and we have a, you know, there's a quote from one of them that says, young people are the earth's most untapped resource for hope. And I just think that's such a powerful image to have in your head because while these young people are separated by distance and culture and a global pandemic, um, there is a growing community of them united in a common cause in the same way many of us are united in common causes. And they're, you know, they're motivating and engaging their peers. They're working together to champion solutions around everything from climate to social justice, to equitable education, to sustainable development. 
And they're very much uh, forces in the world that we should be, you know, lifting up, empowering with a voice and with an explorer's mindset. So I would say they're the leaders of tomorrow and they're architecting that change now and we should um, help them do that. So that would be one thing. And then the other one I think is around this concept that we've been talking about, about an explorer's mindset. So I think I would have up on a marquee for quite a lot of the year, be curious, be empathetic and be empowered because that's what we want both educators and youth to be curious, empathetic and empowered. Curious, empathetic, and empowered. Those are great suggestions. So Vicki, if you could build your dream school and you're not limited by any resources, your only limitations, your imagination, how would you build that dream school? What would be your three guiding principles? Oh, three. Hmm. Well, not surprisingly, I would build my dream school, I think, around design thinking and bold innovation that empowers students as planetary stewards, storytellers, and explorers, and really engages them in the kind of real-world experience that uh, allows them to help design solutions. So fostering connection and understanding, cultivating that explorer's mindset, and using the boldest, most innovative delivery mechanisms we could to engage kids in learning. That's what I would be focused on. Brilliant. Well, listen, Vicki, we've covered a lot of ground today on this show. If the ruckus maker listening could remember only one thing, what would be that thing you'd have them remember? I think I'd go back to the marquee, which is all of us should be curious, be empathetic and be empowered. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.